And as you feel ready, you can take your seat again. We'll be sitting for about a half an hour. So find a posture that allows your body to be as comfortable as it can be. Where your body can relax into stillness, peacefulness. Settling into your posture, letting your body become at rest, yet still upright. Find that balance between peacefulness, but also some engagement, some intimacy with the flow of your experience so that you get the blend of both relaxation and spaciousness it also some type of connection, some type of intimacy with the flow of your experiences. So begin transitioning into that, that mode of being relaxed and intimate. And then gently begin guiding more of your attention to this breathing process. And it's suggested that you begin mindfulness of breathing with wherever the breath sensations are most obvious to you. For some people, it's the large sensations of the chest expanding and relaxing your rib cage stretching and relaxing. For others, they can feel the breath most clearly right where the air comes in and out of the nose. You might know if you're breathing more through your left nostril or your right nostril. A sense of cool air coming in and warm air coming out. what it feels like as it crosses your lips. Or as the air goes down the back of your throat and warm air coming back out, dry air coming in. So turn your attention towards where it's easiest to experience these sensations of breathing. And do this gently. You don't want to yank on your attention like yanking the leash if you're walking a dog. Befriend your attention, relax your attention, and then see if you can take interest in what it feels like as you breathe. With your eyes closed, how do you even know that you're breathing? What sensations arise? From within your body, what's the experience of breathing?
when we make a choice for where we want our attention to be, you have to be careful not to create problems out of other experiences like sound, other body sensations or thoughts. Don't let that choice become strainful or stressful. Invite your attention to choose the breath like you would choose a chair to sit in. or a place to lay down. If you treat the breath like a refuge, that attitude might not create stress around other experiences. Oh, choose breathing sensations and then be very relaxed, non-judgmental. If your attention is drawn elsewhere, just pick up the breath again when you can. As you settle in to become aware of the breath, invite yourself to be aware of the full length of a breath. Relaxed, yet still dedicated to see if you can be with the breath for one full cycle at a time. You will need an attitude of peaceful devotion to apply more effort without it becoming stressful, forceful. So with peaceful devotion to the breath, 
see if you can appreciate what it feels like through one cycle of breathing and see how many cycles in a row you can do that before your mind begins to wander and then gently begin again. The first part is to know that you're breathing at all instead of being lost in thought. The second is to invite continuous awareness of the breathing process and breathing sensations. And the third is knowing qualities of the breath. Are these breaths you're having relatively short? shallow 
rapid? Are they long, deeper into your torso? Are there pauses between the in and out breath? Deepening your intimacy with the breath. Untangling the common habit of taking your breath for granted. Getting a little bored with the breath. See if you can invite more interest, more intimacy, more appreciation of this breathing process. Every now and then coming back to your attitude of breathing, making sure it's relaxed, not goal-oriented, not forceful. It's still interested. Still taking interest in each breath that comes.
And as an experiment, while you're breathing, become aware of your feet and your legs, opening some awareness of what you're feeling. Your feet, lower legs and upper legs. As you're breathing, become aware of your pelvis and waist. Your torso, your chest and your back. Just loosely aware of whatever is easy to be aware of, whatever is available to your attention. And while you're breathing, become aware of your left arm your hand, forearm, upper arm, and left shoulder. Just see if there's any sensations you can be aware of while you're also breathing. being aware of your right arm, your hand, forearm, upper arm and shoulder, whatever you can sense in your right arm while you're also aware of breathing. Becoming aware as you breathe of your upper central chest, upper central back, shoulders, your neck and your throat, this very upper part of your torso, your neck and your throat.
And while you're breathing, becoming aware of your face, sides and back of your head and the top of your head, just what is ever easy to sense while you are basically aware of your in and out breath. Is there anything easily within reach of your attention up in your head and face? And now use your awareness of the breath and of the body to invite the body to be as calm and content and as peaceful and as still as you can. It's by invitation, not by force. I invite this physical body to know rest and stillness and ease. while there's still this breathing process. Let the breathing process be the only motion. Let everything else know stillness, peacefulness, bodily contentment.
Some aches and pains may re remain even after we allow the body to be peaceful and still. So see if you can relax your body around those aches and pains, not creating a struggle. Let's see if there's some area just off to the side that can be invited to be more content, open, and peaceful while some discomfort remains. to hear from a few of you what you experienced um, during that practice and then see if there are any questions. Anybody want to describe what their experience was? I was quite aware um, in the attention to knowing the body and particularly calming it, the experience of reinforcing this is my body, mm -hmm. the sense of self, this is my left buttock that's a little 
that's pressing on the seat and you know this as opposed to you know a, a more general awareness of anatta mm -hmm. this is a buttock or this is a left arm and i just wondered if you could comment on that do you think you were discovering um a trend in you or do you think by doing that uh, uh, it, it caused more of that no i think i think the former yeah but well but it also reinforces it. I mean, I, it yeah. is causing it. So yeah. it may just be that I haven't been as aware of it previously. And I just wondered how, is it just through a long practice that in fact you liberate, liberate away or you free yourself from that sort of possessive attention? Yeah. You, you basically do. And it's good that you even noticed that that, wouldn't that could be happening yet not noticed. And so when you notice that your mind is, is using ownership, like it's running a little ownership program, sometimes you can't um, drop it, but just noticing it um, begins to weaken the, the, the reinforced compulsive, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Yet sometimes the mind is in a that's mine mode. And also sometimes we don't know how to do something yet without it bringing up a whole self, like if I'm reaching for something, well, I'm reaching for it because I wanted it. The mind doesn't know how to even get a sip of tea without producing a whole temple to have that tea. But over time, you can see, it's hard, by the time we come to practice, usually that program has already been strengthened at least by 10, 20 years, if not more, of this re reflection of, um, my life is happening to me. And so it's hard to actually break that one down. And that, that breaking down of the sense of self <clears throat> happens more slowly. And it's usually one of the, the, the later insights to really ripen is that every, every bit of your experience is generated by your system. So there's nothing happening, there's nothing you've ever experienced that hasn't been produced by you. So light's coming to my eye, but my eye is generating all my visual experience. But I don't usually think about that. I think about you all out there. But really, you all out there is still this mind generating your all out there. And so there's a lot of the mind programs that are running and to do meditation, often that same machinery takes over our meditation practice. And it's fine. It's like, okay, I, I drive a car and I meditate. I do these things. Unlike driving a car, this has within it a, a, con a continual reminder to soften that. It's not necessary. You can relax that. So that you noticed it is great. And over time, you can begin to relax the body and it doesn't need to pass through an ownership and a doing self to do that. So not to shy away from either of those, either knowing or attempting to calm it. No. no not yeah. to shy away, just to, just to stay with it and keep observing it. Right. Because often the more contentment we have, the less rigidified ego we need. The more content we are, the more the ego goes, oh, my, I don't, I'm not so called upon. So as the body begins to relax, 
the ego goes a little bit more into a, a less controlling mode. The ego gets very excited around pleasures, but extremely excited around pain, navigating pain and agitation and its agendas. So the more we relax the body, that invites the mind also to relax its selfing mechanisms. And then as we go, the next steps are actually going into the mind and relaxing those. And the more we cultivate contentment without cause, contentment without doing, it begins to get some relief of all the choices we're constantly making to produce our contentment. We find that there's actually this more innate contentment that's not coming through the sense doors or it's not coming through achievement. It feels somewhat more intrinsic, kind of more ever-present. And the ego can't claim it. It doesn't know what it did to get it. Like, what did I do? I felt, actually, when I stopped controlling, it got better. <laughs> like, I don't know how to own that one. I don't know how to, how do I get a trophy of all this contentment? <laughs> because when I let go of control, I, we got the trophy. So uh, I think I'm actually getting insulted <laughs> by this strategy because I actually have less to do with this contentment. So it'll, it'll be there. Great that you noticed it. And like a lot of things, it's actually more profound to notice something versus some amazing intervention. Because it's the noticing of things that begins to um, break down the habits and patterns. They actually dissolve more in the light of awareness than by some skillful intervention. Because often a skillful intervention is just a more sophisticated self intervening on a cruder self. Like, ah, I got that one. That's still a, you're still choosing. It's actually more relaxing into the subfemoral awareness that doesn't reinforce a doer meditator. So just awareness is great. And at times you do need to intervene because there are certain compulsions that are running. And so we can intentionally relax them, which is what we're doing when we practice these first four steps. There's a lot of suggestions. So you'd be doing that and you could create a meditator who's doing all this, but then that meditator gets dissolved deeper in. One more observation, uh, question. Hi, my name is Julia, and um, what um, having just that coming back to that gentle awareness of the breath, um, I was able to not get lost in any like certain tangent that in my practice I've always kind of gone down and became more involved with and just constantly coming back like you know you said to that this gentle awareness of and not um, I guess more gentle and and it, it created um, like a calmness and the sensations were still there, and I would notice I would, in the past, I would get um, more involved with it. But just having that gentleness of the breath keep coming back to that, hmm. and not forcing it, just knowing that I can do that. Right. Let, let it kind of just flow. I, it was, 
Yeah, I'm not explaining it, I guess. <laughs> I'm so... It's better but. that you had the experience than you can explain it. <clears throat> but I, I totally get what you're saying. That, and that's, that's very intentional to use language of invitation versus doing. Right. And it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If, you, if I was talking to 70 Burmese people, culturally, the norm would be, I'd actually have to kind of like, let's stoke a fire, let's really take interest, because the, a lot of the mode of being there is not so achievement-oriented. And so if you want to bring them into mindful alignment, you actually have to rouse them. And so the, the Burmese teachers are pretty, like, they pump the bellows because they want to get people from sort of... Um, you know, it's 50 million people, so it's a lot of different types of people. But um, the general trend there is not so achievement-oriented, and they're not running stress of achievement. So if you take that same achievement-oriented language, and then you apply it to Westerners, they love it, but then they go from redlining to, like, breakdown mode. And so a lot of us have actually, it's taken decades, really, of learning that most people in our culture actually need a lot more permission, a lot more slowing down, a lot, and it's not, we're not, rem, it's not because we're more remedial. It, that's what brings us into this balance, is actually that more uh, relaxed language. Because with that invitation, it's like, wow, well, you know, I, I moved in that direction and suddenly the breath wasn't that hard to be with. But you start like count your breaths and be with it and don't let that mind wander. Every wandering thought is a failure. and. There's just, people get so stressed from that. That said, you know, there, there, there are norms. I mean, we're talking about what to say to a group of people, and then within that, balancing everybody with what your underlying trends are um, is the work of you, you getting to know yourself and a teacher or teachers getting to know you so you can find that better balance. I'm glad that worked for you. Let's go I found when I was doing longer retreat, um, I my concentration got a little stronger than my mindfulness, mm-hmm. and so I was really sensitive, and my uh, the ability to see what was arising and passing with a lot of clarity was there due to the concentration and the absorption. Yet. Um, at one point in time, the force of like things came up that actually I felt like I needed to not necessarily like do something. <laughs> in other words, like I couldn't just it just sitting and seeing them. The seeing in itself was not a strong enough force. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And there again, that's there's a basic template of making Western retreats the language more softer, less goal-oriented, a general template of relaxation, because that brings us roughly, in th- but then within that, things come up and it's actually good to be proactive. It's good to actually check your mind before it creates harmful action. Um, challenge habits that are kind of not dissolving with relaxation, but they're, they're doing just fine. And so you actually have to get a little bit more, try other strategies on them. And there again, when different things come up for different people, different strategies are needed. And I'm glad that you've renegotiated or you found some way of negotiating what came up on a longer retreat. 
um, but that could happen for any individual. The general the general tone is relaxation, ease, intimacy with the experience, less goal orientation, and then as specific things come within that, you do need to be proactive and um, you'll figure that out or your work with a teacher will help you figure that out. I'm just going to take on, we'll, we'll stop there, we'll just continue on with the day. The next piece is um, a half hour walking meditation. And um, I recommend three things. <laughs> uh, generally, people um, can do anapanasati. They can do mindfulness of breathing even while walking. If you take this on as a practice, you do mindfulness of breathing while you're getting your food, while you're driving. You, you're aware of the need to be aware of the world while you're driving, but you can still be put your breath in that equation. So you're driving and aware of your breathing, but you're also taking in sights and sounds. While you're walking, you can be aware of your breathing. Um, so if you want to take this on as, as a traditional practice, you stay with the breath where you can feel it most distinctly throughout all your activities of the day. So I invite you to try that. Um, Given our Western goal-oriented default, um, at some point people will get fatigued because they've been actually trying too hard to connect with the breath and then they hate the breath. Um, or there's exhaustion of just trying to do this one thing all day. And so sometimes it's good to have a secondary practice, which is the second choice. And the second choice is just to be in the body, do walking meditation, be in your feet, your legs, as you probably have been experienced in other retreats. And then you do a breathing meditation when you're in still postures, like standing, lying down, or sitting. But then you do more open body awareness, specific body awareness while you're walking. So as you experiment with the walking meditation, see if you can be aware of your breathing while you're walking. If that isn't working for you, um, you can just go into being aware of your feet while you walk. Um, and the third option is that some people are doing more open attention um, practice and that's what you would go to if, you, if you're exploring that in this time of your um, practice career. Um, you can have more open attention while you're walking and taking in the sights and sounds and whatever practice you're doing. Again, just to give yourself a break, if you're finding that just breath is starting to actually create a bit of a, a struggle, um, you want to actually end the day loving the breath more than hating it. <laughs> so pace yourself with that. Good effort, good, you know, good noble effort without getting that backlash of, I don't know why I came here, I can't stand this breath. That would be sort of a poor outcome of the day. So we have a half hour, um, we'll ring the bell in probably about 20 minutes, so we really do have the time to hear the bell, use the bathroom, recollect in here, stay in silence. If you haven't done walking meditation enough to know what to do over the next um, half hour, just come up here and we'll do a little, um, well, I'll go over it again. Other than that, enjoy walking meditation until you hear the bell. Um, don't go too far away or bring a uh, clock with you to know that you probably want to be back around um, 11.30, 11.35, so we can begin again. Okay? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.